this week, and I kind of giggled a little bit. Here's the title. Clean Christian jokes that will make you laugh in a positively spiritual way. I did not realize that there was a spiritual way to laugh. So I have a joke, I have a couple jokes, and I've instructed our ushers this morning to scan the aisle, and if you're not laughing in a spiritual way, you're going to be escorted out. (laughs) I'm just kidding. They say a minute of laughter adds five minutes to your life. That explains why God, after created man, lives forever. (laughs) What time of day was Adam created? Just a little before Eve. Adam was walking around the Garden of Eden Eden one day, feeling very lonely. So God asked Adam, what's wrong with you? Adam said he was lonely and didn't have anyone to talk to. God said he was going to give him a companion, and it would be a woman. He said, this person will cook for you, wash your clothes. She will always agree with every decision that you make. She will bear your children and never ask you to get up in the middle of the night to take care of them. She will not nag you. She will always be the first to admit she was wrong when you've had a disagreement. She will never have a headache and will freely give you love and passion whenever needed. God lied. (laughs) Adam said, wow, she sounds incredible. What will a woman like this cost? God said, it will cost you your right arm and right leg. Adam thought about it for a minute and asked, What can I get for a rib? (laughs) Last one. How do you make holy water? You burn the hell out of it. All right. That's it. Thank you all. (laughs) Don't forget to tip your waiters and your waitresses. Hey, hey, thank you, thank you. I accept tips as well. (laughs) I'm in kind of a funny mood this morning. I think I'm kind of on the edge of delirium a little bit. So if any of this offended you, or if anything that I say this morning offends you, maybe I'm just going to go ahead and apologize right now (laughs) for anything that maybe you might find offensive or is too bold. Um, In fact, I'll just give you my email address. If you want to email me at the end of this a a complaint, you ready? Write it down. It's jcorson at genesiscc.net. Okay. We can have fun in church, right? It's good to laugh. (laughs) Thank God for laughter. Laughter is good. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence, that your presence is here with us always. Thank you for your love. Thank you for laughter. Thank you, Father, for breathing your life into this message, for breathing your life into our bodies. Thank you for speaking wisdom and for singing over us your love song this morning. So we open our ears to hear our eyes to see you, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So I'm just going to give you a real quick recap from last week. Last week, we talked about intimacy with the Father. We talked about how we are never separate from the presence of God, ever. There's nothing that we can do to separate us from the presence of God. So that when, when we talk about entering into God's presence, when we say things like entering into God's presence or pressing into God's presence, we're not talking about a physical relocation. We're talking about a mind shift. We're talking about engaging our thoughts with throne room realities. Heaven isn't just a place out there. It's not just a place we're going to go to someday when we die. We're not trying to get heaven and pull it down to earth. We live in heavenly places. When, in fact, Ephesians 2, 6, we read this last week, we are equally present in the throne room of the heavenly realm. That's our immediate location. That's where we live right now, is in the throne room of heaven. And it's from that place that we are releasing into the earth all that has already been done into our lives, into the lives of the people around us, into our atmosphere. So it's a whole different perspective on how we live our life. And it changes how we live. It changes how we spend time with God, how we enter into God's presence. And then we also talked about how intimacy with the Father is found and shared and cultivated in that space, in the throne room, constantly in his presence. It's just the simplicity of just being with him, just resting with him. So I left you last week with this thought for today's message. Too often we allow our earthly relationships to influence our relationship with God, but really our earthly relationships should be influenced by the truth that we are image bearers. Our design and purpose is to reflect the nature and likeness of our loving and good God. Our most intimate relationships should be built and cultivated through the truth of who we are in Christ. So all of that starts with having a healthy view of your relationship with God. We say these things a lot around here. Nina just said it. And we're going to continue to say these things to you. God is not mad at you. He is not disappointed in you. He is crazy and passionately in love with you. There is no stain, no blemish on you. He sees you and he knows you intimately. And he loves you. And there is nothing that you can do to change that or to ever take that away. You do not have to work and perform to earn God's love and approval. You have it already. You have been redeemed back to your original identity, exactly the way Adam started, face to face. No barriers. We are image bearers. We are designed to reflect God. God is love, so we are designed to reflect love and his nature because God's nature is our nature. Lydia Dutois put this up on Facebook this week. She's Francois Dutois' wife. Francois is the one who wrote the mirror translation. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, integrity, humility, and self-control are not fragile, fading emotions produced by willpower. They are the fruit of what you know in your spirit to be true about you. Fruit is the effortless, spontaneous expression of the character of the tree. She's talking about the tree of life. Rest in the awareness of who you really are. Yes, that's so 
That is awesome. There is no baggage between you and God. But so many of us have had dysfunctional relationships with our parents, with our siblings, with our grandparents, with our aunts and uncles. Um, And some of us have even had traumatic things that have happened to us with those people who are supposed to be close to us, who are supposed to protect us. So it can be hard to believe some of this because we use those relationships as a guide to our relationship with God. Or some of us feel like sometimes we can connect to maybe the Holy Spirit or we can connect to Jesus, but we can't quite connect to the Father or any other alliteration of that. See, I've never had a problem being close to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me and walk with me. But God the Father, that was a totally different journey for me. And that was something that I had to walk out in my faith with him. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? The good news is, regardless of how you and I feel about it, or how much we understand or don't understand about the goodness of God, it doesn't change the truth of who he is and who we are in him. And he will never stop pursuing us with his love message. Our human relationships, they have limits though, don't they? In our natural ability, there is sometimes just only so much that we can do, and there's only so much that we can take from other people. But God doesn't have limits. There is no limit to his love. There's no limit to his grace. And unlike him, or unlike us, he doesn't hold grudges and offense, and he doesn't try to control and manipulate us. See, that's not in his nature. But we're created in his likeness, His nature is our nature. Well, so that's not our nature either. That's not who we are. We may choose to act like that at times. We may choose to hold offenses. We may choose to try to manipulate and control the people around us. But that's not our nature. That's not who we are. But we're all in this process, in this journey of uncovering who we are in Christ. It does help to speed the process if we can grasp this truth that we are never separate from God, that we live in heavenly places, that we are seated in Christ at the right hand of the Father in the throne room, that we don't have to work and perform to earn God's love and approval, but that we can just rest in him and trust him. See, the journey, our faith journey, it's not about becoming a different person. It's about uncovering who we are already. You are already redeemed. You are already holy and blameless. You are desirable and lovable, and you are powerful. Transformation doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out. The truth of who you are, the truth of who I am, is God's nature. It's in us already. Okay, so let's talk about how this can be replied to our, or applied to our relationships. Most of what we're talking about today can be applied to any relationship, but because it's Valentine's Day this week and we've been talking about intimacy, our focus this morning is going to be on our most intimate relationships. So like our spouses or our closest, most intimate friends, usually that's just like a handful of people that we let that close them get that close to us. So to my point from last week about being in the throne room, 
engaging in throne room realities anywhere, anytime, even while listening to secular music, I have to tell you, this message came together for me this past Tuesday night, I was driving to Costco, and I was rocking out to the new Weezer album. Anybody else listen to it? It's been like ongoing in our house constantly. And it's their cover album, the Teal album. So more specifically, I was listening to their cover of Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. And I wasn't just listening, I was jamming and uh, singing and dancing in my car while I was driving, and now all of a sudden, all of these pieces started coming together for me. Because you see, I've taken off all the barriers of how God can talk to me and how we can hang out and what that looks like and what that feels like. It doesn't have to be with worship music playing and with our Bibles open. Not that those times aren't important. They are still very important. Having intentional time with God is still important, but that's not the only way he can talk to us. We are constantly in his presence. He didn't leave me when I turned on secular music. He was with me, still talking to me, still hanging out with me. Okay, so intimacy with people. This will be a much more logical um, and practical message. I wanted to give you something that you could take and apply to your relationships this morning. Probably this could be a whole series in and of itself. Maybe we'll come back to that someday. But today we're just gonna take kind of a broad look at relationships, our intimate relationships. Um, there are so many situations in relationships that I know require more than what we're gonna touch on today. So I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to breathe life into these words, um, to breathe life into what you need to hear today. And if there is something that we are not talking about today that you need to hear regarding your specific situation, I believe he's speaking to you right now and he's speaking to you wisdom on how to handle that situation and how to walk through it. So thank you for that, Father. Thank you for your wisdom and your revelation right now. So today I have six points, um, six keys for us to apply to our intimate relationships. And I believe that if we apply these six things, then we will see an uptick in our intimacy in these relationships. So our key concept this morning is this. We are image bearers. We are heaven on earth. So we should be reflecting the image and nature of God and heaven to each other. This is the theme of the morning. Everything else that we're going to talk about today has to come through this lens. This is the backbone of everything. Otherwise, Everything is just workspace. It's just us performing, trying to become somebody different. Okay, so everything that we're talking about today is coming through this, which is the truth of the gospel that we are redeemed, we are set free. Your spouse is redeemed, your spouse is set free. Can I get an amen on that? Okay. So let's define intimacy in the context of earthly relationships. To be intimate. Intimate is marked by a warm friendship, developed through long association. So that would be like your intimate friends. It's also engaged in, involving, or marked by sex or sexual relationships. Or it's also of a very personal or private nature, so like our intimate secrets. A point of clarification. When we're talking about intimacy between you and your spouse this morning, or you and your partner, we are not just talking about sex. Sex is an expression of love. It's a very intimate act. But 
Intimacy is much more than that. You can have sex without intimacy, and you can have intimacy without sex. So if you hear intimacy and you're automatically thinking sex, I need you to adjust your focus a little bit this morning. Okay, so how do we build and cultivate intimacy with people in our life? Here's point number one. Great intimacy starts with great communication. There's a lot of scripture about how we communicate and how important it is that we choose our words wisely. Um, so I just picked a couple, and I find this interesting because I have a lot of scripture this morning from Ephesians. Chad had scripture from Ephesians, and then you mentioned a scripture from Ephesians. So I don't know, I'm just gonna put that out there. Maybe we should be reading Ephesians this week. It seems like there's a lot in there for us to grasp this morning. This is Ephesians 4.29 from the English Standard Version. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Look at the mere translation. Instead of cheap talk, your mouth is now a fountain of grace, giving encouragement and inspiration to everyone with an earshot. Don't waste your words. Make them count. Let your words to your spouse and your intimate friends be a fountain of grace, giving encouragement, bringing inspiration, not a spew of garbage. Your spouse's ears are not garbage cans for you to fill with complaints. They are also not a suggestion box for you to directly or passive-aggressively leave hints about how they should improve. That definitely deserves an amen. Where are my spiritual amens this morning? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so if you are having, well, not if, really when, when you have conflict in your relationship, you need to sit and talk face-to-face -face with the other person, keeping these two things in mind. In conflict, our communication should be seeking to understand, not to be right. And the goal of communication in conflict is to maintain a heart-to-heart -heart connection, not to win. I'm going to say that again. When you have conflict in your marriage or in your relationships, the communication should be seeking to understand not to be right, and the goal is to maintain a heart-to-heart -heart connection, not to win. Look at James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to hear, we're seeking to understand what the other person is saying, we're seeking to understand what their perspective is. We're slow to speak because we are choosing our words wisely. We're not spewing garbage. We are choosing words that are life-giving, that are a fountain of grace, bringing encouragement and inspiration. Amen. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, I've been in the church my whole life, and I have heard many Christians in many churches take this scripture and manipulate it or misinterpret it to say that speaking the truth in love means to call out each other's faults. 
to point out each other's wrongdoing. Because through the lens of religion, obtaining truth is performance-based. It's through behavior modification. Remember last week when we talked about perspective when you're reading scripture? Read this through the lens of the gospel, that we are redeemed, that we are holy, that your spouse is redeemed, that your spouse is holy. How then should we be talking to each other? We should be speaking the truth of our identity over each other, who we are in Christ, who our spouse is in Christ, not pointing out their wrongdoings, not exposing their sin, but speaking the truth of who they are in love. Yes, there's times where we need to discuss the things, things that are happening in our relationships. Maybe you're feeling mistreated. Maybe you're feeling unloved in your marriage. And all of that definitely needs to be addressed and it needs to be talked about and worked out. But if it's done with the sole intent of behavior modification, that's only going to lead to frustration and resentment and a lot of disappointment. But if it's spoken, if our communication to each other is spoken with the truth of who we are in love, our words are a fountain of grace, giving encouragement and inspiration. Do you see the difference? One is trying to change the other person, and one is allowing the Holy Spirit to facilitate the uncovering of who we are already. Let's look at the mere translation. Love gives truth to its voice. The conversation that truth inspires creates the atmosphere wherein growth is both spontaneous and inevitable. The whole person is addressed in Christ, who is the head of the body. He is the conclusion of God's communication with mankind. Something that we teach our kids at home is that their behavior comes out of something that's going on inside of their heart. So if we were just to address the behavior and discipline the behavior, it's kind of like just treating the symptoms. If we don't take a look at the root cause and take care of the root cause, then there's just going to constantly be symptoms. Have you ever heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people? A lot of times, or maybe even most of the time, when we say and do things that are hurtful to the people around us, that's coming out of a brokenness inside of us. So instead of just addressing the behavior, we need to look at the whole person. We need to speak the truth in love. And in doing that, we create an atmosphere for growth. And walking through that together, as hard as it can be, I'm telling you, this is not easy. I'm not telling you this is the easy way to go. It can be very, very difficult. But if you can walk through this together, then it can be um, something that will bring you much closer and cultivate intimacy in your relationship. Point number two, great intimacy requires honesty and vulnerability. This goes hand in hand with how we communicate. I saw this when I was doing a little bit of studying for this message. Intimacy means into me see. When we are allowing ourselves to be intimate with another person, we're inviting them to see all of us, to see into us. When we're opening ourselves up to each other like that, and we're asking for the same in return, then intimacy needs to bring protection 
and not exposure. It's in our most intimate relationships where we are or should be free to work our stuff out. This is the person or the persons that we have decided to walk the closest with through this life on our journey of uncovering. So these relationships need to be a safe place for us to bring our hurts and our struggles and the things that we're wrestling with. This done with really great healthy communication can really help to cultivate intimacy in your spouse. Now, there are definitely times where there, you need to pursue professional help because of maybe what's going on in your marriage or maybe what's going on with your spouse. That's not exposure. Exposure is responding to your spouse or your loved one in a way that brings shame and condemnation. If your spouse or your intimate friends share something with you that maybe they're wrestling with, like maybe a doubt in their faith, or even something like a temptation that they're facing, and you respond in a way that brings them shame or condemnation, that is exposure, and that's very, very damaging. It could be very, very damaging in your relationship and to a person. But if you're seeking to understand, speaking with grace, and seeing them and talking to them for who they are in Christ, then man, I, I truly believe there's just nothing that we can't work out. You may need to get help, and that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But it starts with an honest vulnerability that is met with protection, not exposure. And it can take time to build this kind of trust in your relationship. Um, Chad and I have been married, it'll be 16 years this summer, and I feel like this is something that we're really just kind of um, scratching the surface on in our marriage. It doesn't have to take that long, but for us, that's just what it's taken for us to kind of work through our baggage and for us to really discover our identities in Christ. I will say, though, it is never too late to start. No matter how long you've been married, it's never too late to start. And not just with your spouse, but with your friends as well. Intimacy requires honesty and vulnerability. See, we can't self-protect and be open and honest and vulnerable at the same time. If you tend to self-protect, you want to protect yourself, then I would encourage you to start asking God, where does that come from? Um, it's possible that maybe he needs to bring a little bit of healing into your heart. Maybe there was a trauma in your life where you felt like God didn't protect you, or maybe you have this overall sense or perception that God's not protecting you, and, and he can bring healing to that and bring deliverance to that and set you free. Number three, great intimacy requires us to be great givers and great receivers. I think some of us are really good at one and not the other. For some, it's really easy to give because that's how we love one another, that's how we express our love language, and we maybe don't even consider that receiving is loving somebody, but it definitely is. When we're not able to receive from the people who are giving to us, then it feels like rejection. It feels like you're being held at an arm's length away. If you're the person that's giving, and the other is not receiving, 
then you feel like, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And the opposite of that is true as well. If you're trying to receive, but the other person is unwilling to give, then that also feels like rejection. That also feels like you're being held at an arm's length away. This can be incredibly, incredibly painful in a marriage and in a relationship. So we have to be good at giving and receiving. For me, I had a really hard time receiving from Chad and other people in my life because I had all these crazy insecurities. I didn't know God as my protector until just recently. And so I felt like I had to protect myself constantly. So to do that, I stayed closed up all the time. I thought by keeping myself closed, I was protecting myself from hurt. But in reality, what I was doing was causing all kinds of damage in my marriage and in all of my relationships. And I've had to walk that out with God over the last few years. But I'm here to tell you, it's not impossible. God can walk you through that. If he walked me through it, he can walk you through it too. Number four, great intimacy requires unconditional forgiveness. Are we doing okay? You guys all doing okay? Another one from Ephesians, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Can I be very honest with you this morning? Honest as in, even though I may carry a title of a pastor in this church, I don't know everything. <laughs> Shocking. I don't have all the answers. In fact, over the last couple of years, because of the teaching that's been coming, I actually now have more questions than I have answers. Um, forgiveness has been a little bit tricky for me in understanding the way Scripture talks about forgiveness. So here's what I believe about forgiveness. I believe forgiveness is not necessarily about the other person. It's, it's about me. It's about not holding on to an offense not holding on to a grudge, letting that go to keep my heart free and clear. But when I was looking at scriptures on forgiveness for this part of the message, I kind of got tripped up a little bit because there's several scriptures in there. Maybe you guys know the ones I'm talking about that say things like, forgive and you will be forgiven. Do you guys know the ones that I'm talking about? So when I read those this past week, I was like, Gosh, that sounds an awful like transactional Christianity. Like, I have to do this. If I do this, God, then you'll do this for me. But I don't believe that about God. I believe that God has forgiven us already. So I don't understand why those scriptures were translated the way they were. I don't have those answers for you this morning. All I can do is share with you from where I am this morning the current revelation that I have today and then also I want to share with you, or the way I want to do that is to share with you an experience that I had recently with forgiveness that I would call supernatural. But here, let me tell you this first. And this might sound strange, and this is just kind of one of those things that popped up in my head this week. So if it's wrong, I apologize. Uh, and maybe in a couple of years, God will give me more revelation to bring back to you. But this is what I have this morning. I think forgiveness is an incredibly powerful force in this earth. You know how we talk about love being a force? 
how love has the force to radically change a life in an instant. See, I think forgiveness is the same way. I think it's a force in this earth. I think it's more than just an act or a decision that we make. It's more than just words that come out of our mouth. I think that we can make the decision to partner with forgiveness and choose to allow it to bring healing and freedom into our lives. I think the power and the force of forgiveness is beyond our natural ability. Because when I look around this world and I hear stories, I see things and I hear things that to me, it seems unforgivable. Yet God still forgives. So I'm gonna share with you an experience that I had without going into too much detail. Um, I have some people in my life that I've been trying or tried for years and years and years to forgive them. They caused a great amount of hurt in my life. And for the sake of their relationship, I tried everything that I was taught. I read the scriptures, I said the words, I did everything that I knew how to do to forgive them, and I would get to a place where I felt like I had. But then something would happen, or something would be said, and it would take me right back to that place where I felt like, man, I'm in unforgiveness again. Does anybody relate to anything? Okay. So we were having this conversation on the phone with them. Um, Again, round and round, trying to work some of this stuff out in our relationship. And it was a very difficult conversation and some hurtful things were said. I had to leave abruptly because I had to go pick our son up from school. And so I left, got in the car, I was mad, and I was hurt, and I was at a place where I was ready to walk away. Like, I was, I was done. And I was driving to pick Nolan up, and all of a sudden, this thing, this force, rose up from the inside of me, and I just knew in that moment That was my moment to choose forgiveness. This was completely beyond my natural ability. It was not happening up here. It was happening here. And I said, yes, I'm going to choose to forgive. And in an instant, something changed inside of me. Now, this relationship is still not perfect. It still has things that that need to be worked out, but we are now on the road of healing and reconciliation. I still have to watch my thoughts because you know sometimes I'll have thoughts that will come in and they'll be tied to emotions from my past. So God has taught me I need to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and not allow them to attach to me, not allow them to attach to my emotions and pull me backwards. See, this is not easy. Forgiveness is not an easy thing. I'm not giving you an easy solution this morning. It is still very difficult, but it is not impossible. So again, I think this goes back to God's nature, which is our nature. He freely forgives, but I think it's even deeper than that. I think God is forgiveness, like God is love. I think it's more than just a choice that he made to forgive us. I don't think he could not forgive us because that's who he is, he is forgiveness. If he's forgiveness, that makes us forgiveness. That's something that we can be partnered with. So in order to cultivate intimacy with your spouse 
and with your friends, there has to be a partnership with this unconditional forgiveness. Now, this does not give license for us to walk all over each other and to continue to hurt one another, but you see, this all works together. The more we are uncovering who we are in Christ, the more healing and deliverance that happens inside of us, the better decisions we make, and the less we hurt the people around us. Keeping that key, key concept in mind, we're not looking to become something different. This is not trying to be different. It's uncovering who we are. Number five, great intimacy is intentional. It requires intentional speaking, speaking words of life or death, Proverbs 18.21 from the Passion Translation says, Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. That's powerful. The power we have right here to kill or give life. If you want to build and cultivate intimacy with your spouse and with your friends, you need to speak the language of life over each other. Give life to your spouse with your words. Intimacy also requires intentional planned time together. We talked about this on our vlog on Facebook a couple weeks ago about the importance of dating your spouse. Um, it's so easy when you get married, especially when you start having kids, to kind of lose track of some of that. And we get busy and we get poor and all of a sudden we can't do, <laughs> we can't do those things anymore. Or we just we feel like, well, I'm in. I did good. I'm in. So we settle in a little bit and we stop pursuing one another, stop being intentional. But if you want to continue to cultivate intimacy with your spouse, you need to be intentional about planning time together. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Uh, when our kids were young, we didn't have enough money to pay for childcare and go to dinner. If we paid for childcare, then we didn't have enough money to go to dinner. So we traded off with some friends. We would babysit for them, they would babysit for us so that we could still get out every once in a while on a date. Um, we also did a lot of in-home dating when our kids were young and they went to bed at a, like a decent hour. Uh, we would play games together, we would watch movies together, and actually we took turns. We would take turns planning the date once a week, we would alternate. Um, that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun together. You can get super creative with stuff like that. Get active together. Go on a hike. We live in this really beautiful place. Get out together, go on a bike ride, go on a walk. Find what you guys like to do together and, and be intentional about spending that time together. A couple of years ago, Chad and I decided we needed to get on a vacation because we hadn't been on a vacation, just the two of us, since our honeymoon. So we were intentional about saving money. We donated plasma for about a year and a half. Consistently, we both went twice a week for a year and a half to donate plasma to save money to go to Mexico. And it was absolutely worth it. Uh, we had a really great time. Life is busy. We'll always be busy. We will always be busy, probably until we retire. But if you wait until then to spend time together, it'll probably be too late. So have fun together. Laughter. Laughter is good for your marriage. Laughter will also build and cultivate intimacy. Um, after one of our kids' birthdays last year, we had helium balloons left over. And after the kids went to bed, we took turns sucking helium out of the balloon and telling each other dirty jokes. We laughed so hard. 
I mean, our, our guts hurt by the end of it. It was so fun. If you need a more PG version of it, Jim Gaffigan is a great comedian to watch on TV. We've watched, actually, we watch him with our kids um, and laugh. One time we decided we wanted to gnome a friend's house. You know those little yard gnomes? So we spent a good amount of time planning, like, where we were going to buy this for super cheap because we had no money and how we were going to sneak up on their house without them seeing us to put this gnome in their kitchen window. And <laughs> I don't know if they ever found it or they just didn't know who, but we had so much fun. We just, we planning it, going out and doing it. We felt like little kids, so that was fun. There's so many fun things that you guys, we can do together to cultivate intimacy, to laugh together. It's so, so important. Okay, my last point is this. Intimacy isn't controlled, it's cultivated. The desire to control comes out of fear. Trying to control and manipulate your spouse will kill intimacy and ultimately your relationship. If you are one who tends to try to control and manipulate, that's likely coming out of some sort of brokenness inside of you. And I want to encourage you to seek help for that. There are a lot of spirit-filled avenues that you can go, go to to get healing and deliverance. Splankna is one. Val, raise your hand. Val does Splankna here at the church. Sozo prayer, healing prayer, just, even just getting together and praying with your friends. Um, I found a lot of healing in this area in my life through a ministry called Praise in Motion. It was just dancing, just worship and dance, and through that, I found a great amount of healing. Maybe you need some counseling, and that's, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with asking for help, um, and it's worth it. You're worth it. Your spouse is worth it. Your friends are worth it. Get the help you need. Take the avenues that you need to take to get healing and to get some deliverance. All right, so to wrap up, are six points to increasing intimacy with people. Number one, great intimacy requires great communication. Number two, great intimacy requires honesty and vulnerability. Number three, great intimacy requires us to be great givers and great receivers. Number four, great intimacy requires unconditional forgiveness. Number five, great intimacy is intentional. And number six, great intimacy isn't controlled. It's cultivated. And all of this is God's nature, which is our nature. So it's just resting in who he is and allowing the Holy Spirit to uncover all of this in us, walking through this with our spouse and our friends. Amen. Amen.